We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions, or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Conversations here with Dan. Sup, Jed? Hello, hello. All right. Are so, you Jed? I am. Okay. He's wondering. He's wanting to make a comment about me being clean cut now. He looks beautiful. It's good gracious. All right. As always, we're very thankful that you're here with us. As many of you know, if you've been watching for a while, we've kind of scaled back from doing every week with these videos to we're doing every other week. And that's paired with, uh, if you've checked out our passage attack videos, it's almost a staggered schedule right now. Every other Thursday, we've got a conversations with Dan. Every other Monday. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. There's always chances for change, but hopefully that's our plan is to have one of those passage attacks. So it was kind of fun over the last couple of weeks. We did passage attack and conversation with Dan that all paired together over the prophecies and the different things that were discussed through Isaiah and Matthew. Yep. Yeah, it was fun. So hopefully you'll be checking out those things sticking with us. For this week's conversation with Dan, um, we're going to talk about, I'm going to adjust my microphone just a little bit. We're going to talk about um, what was the ministry of the church and how was it carried out? Yeah, Judd and I were having a conversation yesterday about ministry and what we need to do in ministry at this congregation and other congregations that Mm. have had the similar discussions. And so we thought, well, we'll talk about ministry in the ancient church. Um, We also got into the matter of organization and organized programs of ministry. Yeah. And uh, talking specifically like as a congregation, how would you organize this big right. community outreach? Sort right. Of thing? So so first of all, let's talk about ministry. There was a there was a definite thrust, a definite emphasis in the mission, let's put it that way, of the church yeah. in the first century. And that was without doubt an evangelistic oh, sure. center. Um, even when we go back in the Gospels to the time when Jesus um, was uh, in his ministry, if you look mm-hmm. at the 10th chapter of Luke, for example, okay, um, <clears throat> you have Jesus sending out of the, <clears throat> the 72, mm-hmm. and you'll notice, um, go ahead and read there, uh, Luke chapter 10, a few, few verses there. Okay, starting in verse 1. Yep. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. But if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. 
and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Wherever you enter a town, they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. All right, so this was sort of a lightning ministry in the, in the cities of Palestine. And the message of repentance in the kingdom of God was mm. at the heart of it. Yeah. But in the doing of that ministry, which was a preaching ministry about repentance in the kingdom of God, they also did benevolent ministry in that they healed the sick. Mm-hmm. And they they did that while proclaiming the rule of God and calling people to come under yeah. the rule of God. So, Which matches with a lot of what Jesus did. You exactly. Know, he would preach and heal and preach and feed and all those other things. Right. If you go over to John chapter 4, which is a very familiar passage about Jesus and the uh, Samaritan woman, Mm -hmm. Jesus engaged that lady, you know, at Jacob's well, and he had the conversation. And then the woman left the well uh, without her water jar and went back into the city uh, Mm -hmm. of Sychar. Look at verse 28 and um, read a little bit there. The woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. All right, and of course, when he said that, he was looking at all those people coming out of the village of Sychar, coming to him. And so uh, the woman had told these people, and then when you get down to verse 39, read 39 through uh, 42 there for us. It says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman. Um, And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. All right, so the focus of the ministry of Jesus was to reach out to people and bring them to Christ. Mm. He ate with the publicans and the sinners, yeah. and he did so as he told the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, yeah. the lost uh, son. Yeah. And I mean, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm going to go eat with you. Right. And, you know. <laughs> but it was all about the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Mm. Yeah. But in the process of doing that, he showed compassion to people yeah, everywhere absolutely. he went. <clears throat> Then when you come to the end of the Gospels, of course, you have the Great Commission, yep. which sets the emphasis for the church, which is a spiritual emphasis, yep. the salvation of souls. And when you get over to the book of Acts and you see the apostles evangelizing people, mm-hmm. uh, then we began to see um, the apostles also ministering to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of Acts 2, like uh, in the 40s, 
you'll find 43 or so. Read what you see right there. Where we get? Acts 2.43. 2.43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So there seemed to have been a a willingness among Christians to help one another, Mm -hmm. and they were certainly do that. But if you go down to um, verse 46 and 47... It says, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those being saved. Now, we don't have any real details about their having favor with all the people, but you don't have favor with all the people unless you're doing good things for people. Yeah. And the result was people were drawn to the gospel and many people were saved. Now, our discussion today is... People you know, are going, wait, you're just getting to it? No. Yeah, well, we're, <laughs> what we're trying to do is establish the mentality of Jesus Absolutely. and establish how the early church began to uh, function. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And certainly they they ministered doing good works to people that were within their number. That was primary, and they preached the gospel to people uh, on the outside. Um mm-hmm. The um, the healing of the lame man in chapter three of Acts and the preaching that went with it, mm-hmm. uh, you have the the same sort of thing throughout the book of Acts. But yeah. clearly, the 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 target of the ancient church was the salvation of souls. Absolutely. But in the process, they were being kind to people and they were ministering to people. Yeah, uh, wherever they, were they went, needs as they found them. Now there is a record of some organized ministry in mm-hmm. Ma- in Acts six, right? Because there they saw a need in the um, people that were Christians that had remained in Jerusalem, Greek speaking widows that mm-hmm. weren't sharing the language with the Palestinians, and so um, first they saw a need. And then they called to the crowd to put forth people who would minister to that need. Right. And they chose these seven men, which he lists off there. Mm-hmm. And those guys were supposed to go take care of that need. Yeah. Now I guess you can call that organization because they had a they had a need that they identified, and mm-hmm. seven guys that said, "Okay, we'll go take care of that." Yeah. But um, it's not much of an organization. <laughs> but it but it is organization, and they did. Uh, go do that. Yeah, it had a need to serve. It had people to serve it, and it had a plan to make it happen. Yes, and this was a this was a need of believers that was taken care of by the believers, mm. and and recognized by the leaders. The leaders called for volunteers or for people that would do this, and those people took care of that ministry. We don't know anything else uh, about that. It was probably a temporary ministry because. When you get to chapter eight, everybody's scattered abroad in uh, out of Jerusalem. All the right. visitors are. Yeah. So those Greek-speaking widows probably all went home, and uh, so as we go through the book of Acts, we see maybe Dorcas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorcas was. Uh, is it Acts chapter nine where we've got uh, Dorcas? Yeah, they're at the end of Acts nine. <clears throat> yeah, and. Go to verse 36 there about Dorcas. Yeah. There was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated meaning Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they washed her and laid her in an upper room, 
Since Lydia was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when they arrived, they took him to the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing the tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. All right, I get the impression here that this was not necessarily organized ministry, Mm. but this was a lady. Yeah. And according to what we study later in in the Bible, she had the gift of mercy or the gift of service or whatever, and she was just busy doing good for the widows. Yeah. She knew it and had a great influence for Christ. Yeah, obviously. By doing that. Made good clothes, you know, better than what these widows had had access to. Sure, and we think of our missionary in India and the the, uh, downcast nature of widows and how they're having a great ministry to Mm. widows, and it reminds us of... Yeah. Of this right here. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I've said all that to to say this. When you go to the epistles and you read Paul, for example, and you read um, the rest of the epistles, mm-hmm. um, you and I were talking yesterday about Galatians 6, 9, and 10. Um, why don't you read that for us? I've got to get over there, Well, too. let me just quote <laughs> it and we'll keep talking. <laughs> no, I can get it. Here, 6, okay. 9, and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. All right. And, of course, this was a, a, an epistle written to all the Galatians. Galatian churches would mm-hmm. have been the church at Lystra, Derby, Iconium, Antioch, Pisidia, and whatever others were there. Yeah. And he said, let just everybody be be busy doing good to mm-hmm. everybody and especially to the Christians. But he still said, do good to everybody. Yeah. Now, I personally do not read into that any big kind of organization. I, I see that the, the challenge was to individual Christians to go do good to everybody you possibly sure. can and by that spread your influence. Now, there's nothing wrong with organizing. Right. But I think many people today wait for an organization right? and they wait for some church leader to tell them it's okay to do something that the Bible has mm. told us to do instead of just going to do good like Dorcas. Yeah. See? And uh, so the doing of good was a prominent feature of Christians. Yeah. I don't know how organized it usually was, but it was systemic. There we go. Let's put it that way. It was systemic. So it would be fair to say <laughs> that especially through, you know, what the apostles would teach in Acts, what they're still teaching, you know, in letters like Galatians, a big part of what they're teaching is you as an individual, you as the members of Christ's body should be doing something. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's go over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'm sorry. 1 Timothy 6. And look at verse 17. All right. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of what is truly life. All right, so people were told to do good. Mm -hmm. One of the parables of Christ, which is in the Gospel of Luke, illustrates this in an individual way because you have um, the rich man and Lazarus and you have the rich fool 
and the rich fool just stored up stuff for himself and didn't do any good for anybody else. Right. Uh, the rich man and Lazarus, he had a guy right at his gate mm-hmm. that was poor and needy and couldn't even find food, and he neglected to give that guy food, which was right under his nose. Right. See? And the emphasis there is this guy should have helped that guy. Mm-hmm. In um, <clears throat> Luke chapter 3, when the baptism of Jesus, the different groups of people come and ask, uh, the baptism of John, the different people come and ask, what must we do to repent? Right. And he says, if you've got two coats, mm-hmm. give to somebody that doesn't have one. Yeah. Well, see, that's doing good Yep. in the first century. Now, is it organized? Okay. Not really and yeah. not necessarily, but it's systemic. Yeah. It's part of the ethic of Christians. So I would say kind of this point one sort of big thing we're trying to drive at is the church may not necessarily be organizing it, but they should be emphasizing. They should be doing it and emphasizing. It's the necessity of every Christian to do good. Yes, and I think, you know, we have devolved in benevolence in the church to think that it's the responsibility of the church yeah. whoever they are the leaders or something yeah. to do benevolence for us mm. whereas the new testament christians had did not have that mentality yeah that that good samaritan wasn't waiting for some leader to okay a program mm. so he could fix that guy and put him on a donkey and get him a motel sure he did that himself which was what people were supposed to do as they had opportunity. Yeah. <clears throat> now that brings us to part two. I was going to say, so part two, I guess in my mind, is is it wrong for a church to organize? No, I don't think so, because obviously they did it in the case of the the seven men that took care of the widows, and it's good to do that. But I think if we foster a mentality— mm-hmm that says that unless the church organizes a program, I have no mm. responsibility. That's totally the wrong mentality. Right. And there are many people because of that mentality that are waiting yeah. for the leaders to organize a program when they should just be doing good and shining their light yeah. in but the I community. Think, I think along with that, sometimes there have been churches that say because an outreach is organized, that makes it less biblical. Like, oh, I like, don't think so. I don't like think if I, so at all. If we bind together for a disaster relief or something, well, no, we shouldn't do that. That should just be an individual thing. That's just know. Christians that are doing the will of God together. There's absolutely nothing wrong. That's a great thing. Okay. Yeah. So then I guess step three, so we know that all individuals should do it. It's not wrong for churches to do it. So maybe what benefit is there to a church organizing various benevolent outreaches or ministries. Well, I don't want to go there right yet. You don't? No, I want okay, to go. Okay, you, you have a 2A a or... a different step three. You've got a different three. Yeah. My three is, <laughs> let's look at the way ministry progressed in churches based on the body of Christ illustrations in Scripture. Okay. Let's, let's I think look, that kind of matches up. But. Let's look at Romans 12, first of all. All right. And see... In, in many churches in which I've grown up and, and existed, there's been the mentality that the church sets a program mm-hmm. and you out there in the church need to fit into these holes somewhere. Mm. Okay. Okay. Now, in I Romans, see where you're going now. In Romans 12, starting with verse 
4. Let's read just a little bit. Okay. Romans 12, 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. Wait a minute now. Read that one more time. Do not all have the same function. Sorry, page turn. Ooh, interesting. Do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does not, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, notice that different people are doing different things based mm-hmm. on their gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> notice here that he says, for example, if it is serving or ministry, that's the word diaconia right there. Right. Let him serve. So, you know, Lord, make me a servant. Some people are really good at serving. Let them do that. Mm-hmm. Don't try to put that guy in another hole or girl. Don't, you know, put them where their gifts yeah. are. If somebody has the gift of teaching, then let them teach. Yeah. Does that mean that they also have to be involved in all the other ministries? Mm. I don't think so. Mm. Uh, if if one is an encourager, then let them go about the business of encouraging. Yeah. Let them be a thumb if they're a thumb. Let them be an ear if they're an ear. Mm. You know, we have some people that are really good listeners. Maybe they're ears in the body of Christ. Yeah. Let them be an ear. If, if one is a giver and has the gift of giving, let them do that. If one is an organizer, let them use that gift. Yeah. And yet we want to make three holes I was and we say, want to put everybody in one of those three holes. So maybe to tie those <clears throat> two things together, you have either a church who doesn't ever do any organizing and they just hope that everyone figures it out. Or they might be on the other end where they've organized to an extent where they say these are the only parts of service. So programs get involved. Yeah. So our church does this ministry. Welcome to our congregation. You're going to do this ministry. And if that doesn't fit your gift, go find another congregation. Yeah. But see, that's not really biblical. Okay. So is there a way kind of trying to work towards this practical implementation side for maybe ministry leaders out there, you know, church organizers, elders, whatever, is there a way to blend together? Now you're getting where I want to go. Yeah. This idea of we want to encourage individuals, maybe provide some organized opportunities for service while recognizing all the different gifts that are present within our congregation. All right. Let's, let's go with that for just a minute. Let's okay. go to one core 12. First Corinthians 12. Yep. And let's read about three three verses here. The first Four. three? No, let's go to verse 7 first. Okay. So starting at 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Just, just that one verse. Okay. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, God gives each person a gift to mm-hmm. be used for the good of the body. Okay. Now go down to verse 11. Okay. Talking about gifts. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individual individually as he wills. Let me read that. Who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So the Spirit decides what gifts to give each mm. one. In other words, the Spirit fosters the diversity of gifts in the church. Ooh. And if you go down to verse 18, please. Let me finish my drink. Sorry. Oh, semi-bearded one. <laughs> All right, verse 18. 
But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Interesting. So mm. God made that guy a thumb for a reason, and he made that woman an ear for a reason, yeah. and he made that guy a foot for a reason. Hmm. But so, I want that foot to be a hand. I want that foot to be an ear, and that's my church's program. So kind of the two parts is, number one, the person needs to recognize that they should be using those gifts and talents or finding out what their gifts and talents are to put them to work. And number two, our churches should be organized or open enough to allow that person's gift to ah, thrive. So here's here's Dan's idea of how this looks. Okay. We look at the church and we, we, we try to encourage people to talk about their gifts and recognize their gifts. Mm, yeah. By the way, it's a very interesting um, exercise to take 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4 and list out on a piece of paper mm. all of the gifts that are mentioned. Just list them okay, all out. Let's say those again. Romans 12... 1 Corinthians 12 and, and Ephesians 4. And Ephesians 4. I'll and, put those on the screen. And what's interesting is these are the three primary spiritual gift passages in Paul. Mm -hmm. They all use the body image. As an example. A, as, the, as the metaphor. Okay. And they all talk about the gifts as means of ministry. Mm. Now let's turn to Ephesians 4 for just a minute. Okay. Ephesians 4. Now we, we can have a totally other discussion about spiritual gifts because some oh, yeah. people are squirming out there. We're talking <laughs> what about, about ministry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of people skip these passages. They say, oh, that's spiritual gifts. That doesn't apply to us. And it really does. But they're all about ministry. Okay. So Ephesians 4, and if you'll look at verse 7 first. All right. Verse 7 says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. All right, so each person gets their own gift. Now go down to verse 11, and he lists some examples mm -hmm. of gifts, and verse 12. Yeah, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, okay. the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints of the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. All right, why did he give all those gifts? to equip the saints for the work of ministry Ooh. for the building up of the body of Christ. All right, now go down to verse 16. It tells us how this is supposed to mm -hmm. work in the body. From whom the whole body joins together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it will build itself up in love. When each part mm. is working properly. Does that mean when the foot's trying to be a hand? Mm. That doesn't sound right. No, I think <laughs> it's when you let the foot be a foot, but he's working as, as well as he can as a foot for the body. Mm. And you let the ear be an ear, but the ear is using its ability for the body, etc. Yeah. All right, so what we do... I was going to say, hang on, let me toss in a, a example here, because sometimes people will hear all of this and they're like, well, what does that exactly mean? Let's say we have a guy who is excellent at one-on-one -on -one relations, and he can be that listener who then kind of connects people. So he's out in the community talking with somebody, forming relationships, but he's never led a public prayer. Why and does we, he have to? And we chastise him because we're like, well, you're obviously not involved. You've never been up front, and you're such a godly man. That's stupid. <laughs> but we do. I think, <laughs> I think this is the thing when we really put, you know, like the boots on the ground and put these in practice. Sure. 
we go, but of course every man who we see as a spiritual leader should be up front praying at some point. Yeah. And he's terrified to death of being in front of people, but he's excellent at what he's excellent at. Right. And 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 you're hitting exactly on it. We need to recognize and know people and recognize their abilities and then then we need to see how they can maximize those abilities mm. for the good of the church. Yeah. You know, we've got some people here that are wonderful artists. Mm. And, you know, how can they use that wonderful gift and maximize that for the benefit of the church and feel good about what they're doing yeah. for the church? But we tell them, if you're not teaching a Bible class, you're not good. Yeah. Well, we could have them making some great Bible class materials for us. Absolutely. They, should, they could be illustrators. Yeah. You know, that'd be wonderful. If they want to paint some murals in my classrooms, I would love that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. See, no, now, sorry. We're, now we're really get, getting down to it. Uh, you have some people that um, are, are doers of mercy. You have always, a, there's a certain group of people that just have a knack mm -hmm. for working with sick people and, and, you know, visiting the sick in their homes and ministering to them. Uh, you have uh, a lot of people, you know, there's always several of them in a congregation. That could be a wonderful ministry for those people that mm -hmm. have those gifts. Do we have to tell them when to come and when to go? Or do we just try to keep them informed about the, the ones that are sick and let them let them do their thing? Yeah. You know? And and then all of this cumulatively means that people don't feel bad about themselves because they're not doing what they don't have the gifts to do, mm -hmm. but they are made by the church to feel good about themselves for what they are doing for the benefit of the body. Yeah. So <clears throat> so again as far as like what a church can do and how they put all this into practice. Yeah, what I would there, do is I would I would really do a massive gift hunt. Mm. I would I would really try to identify where people's strengths and abilities are, where their gifts lie, and then try to build the ministry around those gifts mm. instead of yeah. thinking up a ministry apart from the people you have yeah. and just saying this is what we're going to do. And all the people are thinking, but where do I fit into that? And the other part of that is it should be tied to where you see a need. Because I think that that's the other thing we forget is like well, they were serving the needs of... Okay, I'm going to disagree with that a little bit. And here's the reason. Here's the reason. Uh, yes, What certainly. it says. <laughs> but, well, I know in Act 6, I got uh -huh, you there. Yeah. What I'm saying is if we don't forget in the process of doing that, what is the major thrust of the church in well, the sure. Bible, which is the salvation of souls, right. the pushing of the gospel. Right. All right. And if we keep that as our center, okay, right. then when we recognize needs that we can do good or that we can build relationships or that we can help people, then we do those things. But we always do it with an ultimate goal in mind. Which is still seeing the need. Yes. Because the number one need is always Christ. Yeah, but, but then, there, there are needs everywhere that we might go fill, and we might never fulfill the mission of Christ. Which would not be fulfilling the need. Exactly. There we go. All right, so as long as you have the foundation in place, this is not throwing the baby out with the bathwater to restart. Right. This is you start with Christ, you see those needs, but then you let your members use their gifts to fulfill whatever those needs are. Yes, and, and in order to do that, you have to know your members— yeah. You have to find out what their strengths are. 
you have to give them a sense of, you know, go for it. And here's how you can maybe help us. Mm. And here's how you could help us. And, yeah. you know, make them feel good. I think in the church, I've observed that, like you pointed out yesterday, we have two different sides of this coin. Number one, um, we have churches that are all about, you know, preaching the gospel to themselves, mm -hmm. but they're not really reaching out in a meaningful way to the community. They're not having favor with all the people like Acts 2. Right. And they may be in the middle of a space and nobody knows they're there. Yeah. yeah. And, and so they're not doing good to all men, like the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And and so that's one extreme. The yeah. other extreme is there are churches who see it as their ministry to be a social action group, and they don't teach the gospel to anybody. They yeah. just do social action. Yeah, they do that a is, lot of great physical labor, but it's yeah. detached from any spiritual labor. They're all labor. about getting jobs and everything, and, they, and yeah. helping people build houses and feeding people and everything but they don't have any interest in the soul or the spirit or teaching the word of God. Or, mm. So in between those extremes yeah. is a multi-pronged yeah. ministry. They're married together to be as effective as possible. Right. And, and that's when you let the evangelists evangelize and you let the teachers teach mm. and really be good at what they do. And you let the other people who have other jobs do their yeah. jobs. And we all work together to build up the body of Christ. So if your congregation is out there and they've organized a ministry that they're saying, Hey, we've, we've seen a need. We know there's a lot of you with a desire. Maybe there's some of you who have been looking for a way to plug in. This is something we have available for you. Nothing wrong Nothing, with it. That's absolutely great. And, yeah. and with the people with those gifts get involved with that ministry, that's mm. great. But to guilt everybody else yeah. and say, if you're not part of this ministry, then you don't really love God or you're not really yeah. But then that is Are you really part of our congregation? Yeah, if you that's haven't not bought a gift into this ministry. Yeah. And then on the other side, if you have people in your congregation coming to your leadership saying, "Hey, we have a desire, we have a need. Can we use the space, use the church resource, you know, whatever the case may be." And you're going, "That's not really our thing." Yeah, then but the leadership should say, "I think that has possibilities and discuss with them how they can do that and mm. what they can do and encourage them in that and 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 um as long as it's not compromising some biblical sure. truth and let them go yeah if they are if you find a way to celebrate and grow their spiritual gifts in service to christ right yeah right that's exactly right so um let's summarize okay so everyone in like every Christ follower should be serving in some way. Yeah, and if you go all the way back to, to our gospel thing, the doing of good works was a, a systemic thing that Christians individually understood mm -hmm. that they were supposed to be doing. Yeah, Jesus did it. He sent out his disciples to do it. The apostles further preached that later on. They did that understanding that their main miss mission yep. was the salvation of people's souls. Because we always start with, with the Great Commission. That's you right. Know. Yeah. So yeah. that's where we start from. Then organization is not inherently bad or wrong. No, why, why do you keep saying that? Because so many people think that. <laughs> it, it's, it's not bad at all. Yeah. But let it not be artificial. There we go. Let it not be artificial. Yeah. And then from there, when churches do organize or when they empower these individuals, they should always keep in mind people using their gifts as they have been gifted. Right. And, and let me give you an example, and 
I'll probably get stoned for this, but it's a good way to end the video. Here let's we go. Let's just take the age old example of VBS. Oh man. All right. Are we going to have VBS this year? And if so, that's vacation Bible school for some of you out there that may not be familiar. Um, why are we going to have VBS? Well, we've always had VBS. Okay. And that's why we're going to, but what's our goal? What are we going to accomplish? Yeah. Who has the gifts that, that are really good in this area? How are we going to do it? You know, does everybody have to be involved? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, see, instead of saying, if we want to reach children and the families of those children for the Lord, what are some ways that we can use the gifts of the people in this congregation mm. to do that with the utmost effect? And it may mm. be something that looks a little different and it, than VBS. Or and it, it may be something that isn't one week or weekend a year. It right. may be something more long-term. Absolutely. Not saying VBS is bad and wrong. No, but... But, <laughs> but if we're going to use the resources of our congregation, yeah. and if we can do that real well with a VBS and where we are, then fine. But if there's mm -hmm. other ways that we can use our resources and the people's gifts yeah. to fit our community better and our people better, then mm -hmm. why not do that? Yeah. yeah. And these are things that will have to be assessed regularly. By each congregation with the people that are there and the gifts that those people have. Yeah. And if every congregation tries to look like every other congregation, there's probably some gifts being overlooked. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's this is the side of things where I could like really jump off into the nuts and bolts and making it well, work. But <laughs> let, let's envision a congregation where every Christian realizes that they have a duty to their fellow man, both spiritually mm -hmm. and physically. Yeah. So you've got every member of the church is out there doing little good deeds for people all week yeah. that have nothing to do with any organization. Imagine the growth that would come oh from that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then you've got uh, people attuned to the relationships they're building through those good deeds. Mm -hmm. And those that do good deeds and build relationships through those, they're... they're uh, acquainting those people with teachers and those teachers yeah. are teaching them the gospel. Yeah. And then here we go. You know, and <laughs> some of these will be things, and this is maybe a word of encouragement to some of you out there. Some of you may have received, you know, backlash or side eyes that people don't see you working. Well, not every gift is a upfront out there and, you know, well-known thing. But do we make that clear in our, in our messaging right. to the congregation? Yeah that we appreciate everyone that's doing those things and you don't have to be up yeah. front to be doing a vital ministry because the they, and they are yes. vital ministry. Yes. Like there are many things that we never see and these people we never hear about, right? But without it, the church would not thrive. At, well, that's Ephesians four sixteen. Yep. When every individual part is doing its own mm -hmm. work. Yeah. According to its own gifts. And that builds up the body Yeah. in love. So hopefully this might encourage you individually to <clears throat> assess what your gifts are, find some ways to put them to work in your local congregation or just kind of on your own in your daily life. Maybe this will be a good wake up for some churches to evaluate the way they assess their yeah. ministries or the way that they empower people to use their gifts. And if there's something good and, and biblical and great, don't wait for anybody to tell you to do it. Just mm. do it. Yeah, and then if you can interest other people and and have a group of people, that's great. But if something's right, just yeah. do it. Yeah, it's always great to do things. But then I think it is 
this is where if we let things grow either inside of our congregations or on our own we will attract people with like gifts absolutely. and different things absolutely because we're seeing the need we're having the desire all built on christ and, and that's natural organic ministry yeah as opposed to unnatural forced yeah ministry but even organic ministries need a little fertilizer and water and and that's where you have leadership that mm -hmm. is encouraging that natural organic yeah. ministry and continually teaching so they yeah. remain in the center of the mission of Christ. Because there's a lot of times that people toss out the, well, we want organic ministry, and that means we don't want to mess with this, and things will just happen. No. Uh, yeah. That's not what organic ministry means. No. All right. So <laughs> I think about this stuff a lot. but I know you do. Hopefully these are some passages and thoughts that are encouraging you, whether you're an individual or a church. If you have any follow-up questions or comments, like we said, we, we talked about this probably two hours yesterday. I don't know. I don't know. We talked about it a while, and then this is a condensed version of some of those things. But if you have further comments or questions, by all means, send them in. Uh, we try to respond to as many of them as possible, and then sometimes they make it into a video too. So as always, thanks for watching. Anytime you can like these videos, share them with a friend, it really does help to spread this message and might be an encouragement to people out there. Amen. So have a great week. We hope you'll join us on Monday for Passage Attack and in two weeks for our next conversation. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.